the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 108 of the UK Tech Weekly Podcast the UK's leading pod for consumers of dystopian beverages. This week, we've got artificial drinks, artificial currencies, and three highly convincing artificial people. My chatbots today are Tamlin McGee. Hello. That was very convincing. Dominic Preston. (laughs) Hi. And Sean Bradley. Hello. Now, um, slightly different this week, Um, we've got some special drinks. Tamlin's got the the drinks in. What have we got this week, Tamlin? Uh, We've got a drink called Soylent, which... uh... Launched for the first time in the UK this September, trading on a Silicon Valley idea as a meal replacement drink. It sort of famously got a lot of people sick when they were uh, <laughs> found to be brewing them. No in, one told me that. <laughs> I, I imagine it's all been sorted out for the UK relaunch because they've got like st- quite strong branding rather than translucent sort of uh, jerry can esque jugs now. So that's, that's good. Yeah, avoid the uh, jerry can. Ma- manufactured by Rosa Foods. It is here. <laughs> are, uh, we, are we receiving money for this? Uh, I assume this is some sort of sponsorship deal. Well, no. Originally, the idea okay, was to great. have someone from Soylent on the podcast with us, but it didn't happen for various reasons, so never mind. Uh, <laughs> they might not like what we have to say anyway, I suspect. Okay. Um, um, oh. any, anyone that wants to send in drinks, by the way, feel free. We do like drinking things. We'll drink well, anything wine, on the podcast. Apparently we will. <laughs> yeah. um, so what I thought we could do is that we could sort of drink this periodically throughout the, the pod today. Yeah. Um, we haven't actually chilled them. Are they meant to be Are chilled? Are they meant to be chilled? Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to find out. We're about to find out. It says that it's produced with genetic engineering, oh, which like is it. very unsettling. That's mm. what So maybe... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do we know? Is it people? It's probably people. I mean, it's being really t- tasty yeah. people. Though. This is the plot to a horror film. What we're doing. All right. no, I mean, it literally is. Yeah, I know. It's soiling, right? they're, yeah. they're not branding it as people. They're branding it as a meal replacement drink for gamers. So. But they didn't okay. brand <laughs> it as people in the film either. The whole thing of the film—it's a revelation when they're like, "Oh, it's people." That's right. a surprise. Right. Right. I mean, this like, really, w- this really would be hiding, hiding in plain people. sight, isn't it? Yeah. So if it tastes not like chicken, maybe it's people. Right. Probably people. Well, we wouldn't even get the surprise. So David's got the original flavor. So that's the one that will be the pure people taste. Okay. Whereas yours is people. Plus, plus uh, chocolate and coffee. What, I think. Do you, what do you have, Sean? Uh, also, cacao. I've got mocha with caffeine and L-theanine. Whatever that is. <laughs> good, good, good. I like Lovely it. Lovely bit of L-theanine tasty. with the boys. <laughs> okay, um, okay, who wants to have the first? I think we better know what original it is, David. Oh my God, yeah. All you. right, yeah. um, that's the canary right over there, Mr. Price. It smells sort of vanilla-y. Delicious vanilla-y people. <laughs> Oh my god, that's fucking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. Good pod band. I think um, 
<laughs> the sound of people quietly drinking and yeah. grumbling. Good radio. Oh, what kind of yeah. texture were we talking about here? Because I've tried Huel before and it was the texture that got me on Huel. The texture uh, was horrible. Uh, it's not quite uh, right. It's, um, oh my god, it looks like fucking diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're it. It's it, it's somewhat reminiscent of um, a smoothie. Um, there was some quite nice smoothies they used to do, but um, but it's more cloying on the tongue. Mm. Um, I've got a sort of film on my tongue, um, oh. but it, the the vanillary taste is not terrible, but it's sort of slightly sour. Yeah, it's not horrible, and I'm the more I'm I'm getting more into. I it. I really want to try it before you keep talking more because you're not selling it. So yeah, I don't. It's odd. It tastes of chemicals and machinery. That's not actually as bad That's as I thought it was going to be. Scenario. Cacao's okay. <laughs> yeah, the cacao just tastes like a slightly off chocolate milkshake. Mm. Slightly off. <laughs> only, you know, slightly only, off. only slightly off, you know. I draw the line at slightly. Okay, that's a chocolate. And what about the mocha? It doesn't smell anything like coffee. Drink it. Fucking <laughs> 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 hell. Oh. I think maybe we should try and describe Dom's face. Just <laughs> yeah. Like... I would say that was... um. That was a look of dismay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, disappointment, fear was in there. Puckered, I mean, puckered misery. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's I, your wrestling oh, name, isn't it? Puckered misery, yeah. yeah. Here comes puckered misery. DJ puckered misery. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have protein shakes pretty regularly, so I really thought it was going to be in that kind of ballpark of flavour, and I thought I was ready for what this was going to be. So we've got the same ones it's, on. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, oh, fuck. That's horrible. What are the benefits of this? Like, I, it's like medicine, I guess. Medicine sometimes well, tastes bad, but it does you good. Is it doing me good? I've got the press release right here, and okay. it's, it's marketed at gamers, because apparently over half of gamers frequently miss meals while they're gaming. So if your standards are that low, then maybe you don't mind, <laughs> <laughs> mind you know, having a bit of a swig on a human drink. I don't know. Um, so it covers all the food groups. Is that I, sort I, of... I think it's... Yeah, it's meant to be just dust. It's supposed to have everything that you need in it. I don't think it's got any doctor recommendations just yet, but okay. I'm gonna <laughs> but it's very it a go. convenient. Go on, drink it. <laughs> confusion, yeah. I think, confusion. is the predominant emotion there. Confusion with a lingering <laughs> regret. <laughs> but not not as bad as I thought it was going to be, actually. Mm. Like, uh, it's, it's much worse to look at than it is to drink. Yeah, oh, I, see, I, I look at it, I just see a sort of chocolatey <laughs> milkshake drink, but that taste is death. I actually think the look of mine is very good. Like I said, it looks like a vanilla um, smoothie. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. one to use to get them. But nice. a chocolate one is actually not bad, I have to say. I'm quite mm. surprised. Mm. You can really tell, taste the uh, L-theanine. <laughs> good. Are you getting any of the coffee flavours from this one? Cause no, just L-theanine. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should. Uh, I feel like we should move on. We're going to carry okay. on drinking these. Um, oh, are we, we going to hereby pledge to finish our four bottles? Oh, can can we make that pledge There's to so our much listeners? Of it. I have already had breakfast, and you know, it's a <laughs> that is effectively another. another that, that's another an out. Um, we're going to have a short break now. Um, after that excellent radio content that you've enjoyed, uh, and we're going to talk about something a bit more serious. So. Um, we're recording this on the day before Black Friday. Hopefully we'll manage to get this um, published before Black Friday because we're talking about it. Um, Dominic, yeah. what, what is Black Friday? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, if, if, you, if you somehow missed it the last few years, it's a big annual sales event. Um, that's, it, it's a sort of US export, but now it's massive everywhere. Um, in, in the US, it sort of makes some sense. It, it's it's the day after Thanksgiving, so we're recording today. It's Thanksgiving in the States, uh, and then Black Friday was sort of the day after. It's in the same way in the UK. We get Boxing Day sales, 
which I've never entirely understood who wants to go to shops on Boxing Day, but it's a thing. Get away from your family, I guess, sometimes. I mean, that's certainly serious. Family man David here. (laughs) (laughs) How are your kids, David? (laughs) (laughs) I love my kids, but they're hard Um, It it gets a bit boring, though, doesn't it? When you've got that extended period, you know, you finish work on, like, the 23rd sometimes, and then you've got three or four days consecutively at home. Oh, wish I was at work. You can't get out of the house uh, because it's cold. And then I think a lot of people, they're like, they want to get out of the house and do something, and then you add the bargains thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, I guess it's similar with, Thanksgiving, a few people have said actually in the office, we are a UK office here, um, they've said that they do celebrate Thanksgiving, which slightly baffles me. Um, yeah, I, I live with um, with a Canadian and she has a friend over from, from Canada who sort of said, oh, we don't make a big thing of Thanksgiving over in Canada, but you guys do here, right? Like it's a big thing in the UK. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I don't know why it's, I, for me, it's purely just, it's the US. Thing, yeah, right? definitely. It's, I've, I've been to a couple of Thanksgiving meals by right. strange um, English friends. Uh, and I don't, I don't mind that necessarily because I, like, I really like the food that's associated with it, particularly the um, pumpkin pie, yeah. if, if that's right. Sort of sweet pumpkin pie, that's very nice. But there was a really annoying bit after to where you all have to say what we're thankful uh. for. And I don't think it's a, an English thing to be thankful for anything. Really. <laughs> no. um, yeah. So uh, why are we interested in Black Friday then as tech review websites? Uh, I mean, for us, there's it's... Basically, just any pretty much anything techie. I mean, anything anything is going to be on sale this weekend, um, which makes a massive time because it essentially changes all the buying advice we'd normally give people. A lot of you know the the recommendations we give people on what they should pick up are inevitably based on price. So a lot of the concerns are you know should you know is buying the Apple tablet worth the premium you're paying over getting the Samsung tablet or whatever, um, and it all goes a bit out the window on Black Friday because suddenly you know some things will be reduced in price and there'll be totally disproportionate reductions. And um, it's a way to get... It. I mean, you can save a stupid amount of money if you don't buy anything the rest of the year and buy it all now. Well, I, saw, I saw Sean on the way into work this morning. We agreed it's probably not something we should be discussing at uh, uh, Tech Review's website. But there was a recent witch study, I don't know if you saw it, that mm. said that about 80, 87% of the things that you can buy on Black Friday are cheaper other times of the year. Yeah, so to such a degree, there's there's sort of I read that witch report as well, and there's some truth to it. It's also a bit misleading. Some of it is sort of part of the thing with Black Friday is it's the concentration of sales. Everything is on sale at once. So sure, they sort of picked out said, okay, yeah, you can get this Fitbit cheaper at this other time of the year. But yeah, that's because that site had a Fitbit sale on. Mm-hmm. But the point mm-hmm. is, at the time they had that Fitbit sale on, they put massive offers on their Fitbits. Right. But they didn't also have offers on their TVs and their speakers mm-hmm. and their headphones and their computers and their. Yeah, true. Black Friday is everything's on sale at once. It won't. It's not guaranteed to be the cheapest price you'll find for every product. Mm-hmm. But most things will sell. And you do have to be savvy. And there are some things that are really misleading. Um, and part of like our job at the moment is to basically go through and figure out which of the deals are actually good and which ones are rubbish. And I have had you know some deals sent to me. By uh, by tech companies and by shops where I look and say, I know for a fact that was cheaper than that two weeks ago. One case of soil in Tony. So there, there is stuff that's rubbish. Um, but it's more, I think it's it's the breadth of the deals. It's the fact mm-hmm. that anything you want to buy, pretty much, you'll be able to find cheaper this weekend, which just isn't true any other time of the year. Mm-hmm. And we can be honest here, it is also a money it is a money yeah. spinner for us. Publishing personally. now, you know, a, a lot of publishers rely on that sort of e commerce thing where we get some 1% tick of a sale driven by our site um and that's a lot of what drives us to do it. there's a lot of traffic in it for us obviously people are looking for tech advice at the moment but there's also then if you buy something by after clicking on a link from us we get some like little cut which all builds up over time um 
but you know what's important with that is to not just recommend something because of that little cut mm-hmm. and again like I said, you know I, I'm, I'm you know I've been part of my job is looking at electric toothbrush deals which are one of those ones that's really difficult because if you buy an electric toothbrush in the UK you know you can buy one that's RRP 300 quid but throughout the year it's 140 pounds on Amazon yeah, nobody pays so if you see the Black Friday deal saying oh, it's only 140 pounds part of my job has been going through to say that one's that's not a deal it's that price all the time it looks like it's 160 quid off but it's not that's just how much it sells for yeah but, oh, this toothbrush is actually £30 off the normal price this week. That sounds like a really annoying thing to cover. Yes, yes. It's, <laughs> it's not... I don't think it's any of our favourite week of the year from a uh, from an editorial perspective in terms of the work we have to do. But, you know, it's useful. Yeah. I think, it, you know, there, there are missing deals and, and part of the job is we have to save ha- people from it. We do have a role in that, I think, because yep. yeah, you have to think, why would they come to us and not just go to Amazon? Exactly. And the reason is we don't have the same incentive that Amazon does yep. to push bad deals it's like our, our, yeah. our unique selling point is differentiating and then we will we do make money out of it so yeah. you're right we have to be very careful about that and a lot of it is also people will use black friday to clear old stock so we've seen deals that sound like they're really good um but it's actually just because that tablet's three years old yeah. so they're just trying to get rid of the last ones they got in the warehouse That's cheeky right. um and but if you're not you know if, you, if you're not really aware of the marketplace you might not know that that particular galaxy tablet is an old one and you might think oh, that's a great price for a tablet but It's mostly Amazon that benefits from all this um, shopping madness. How do um, how do they cope with that sudden ramping up of demand? Um, I mean, I I think Tamlin knows more about this than me, but um, it's just a massive influx of temporary staff and stuff from aware and and people being forced to walk horrible, horrible, horrible hours to. You know, suppliers with all our goods. There's a there's a very good article in um, the Verge, I think it was the other day, where a uh, former Amazon warehouse manager talked about working at Amazon mm. warehouses. Vox, I think it was. Vox, thank you. Yeah, they're the same network. Are they? Oh, the same sorry. publisher. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair um, but yeah, it basically said that it's a it's a horrible, horrible experience. No one looks forward to the holidays because mm. the pressure is just heaped on even more. Um, they had to. Managers all showed up at 5am and then arrive early for a pep talk. For a pep talk, that's the worst yeah, bit of it. Yeah, it's just, just yeah. imagine. The, yeah. f- the false enthusiasm just echoing around the room. It's like it's like having to work for an Apple store, but then not getting the benefits as well. Yeah. It's like just as bad as being in a Chinese iPhone factory. Well, no, probably not quite as bad. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, it's pretty horrendous. The thing that, I, that struck me about that that was weird was that the managers um, have almost worse jobs than the, what do they call them, associates. I really hate the terminology as well. I think it's, I, I guess that the, the standard employees have a more physical job and they are more exhausted, but they do shorter hours and they get breaks. Whereas the managers, it's like and being a, being a manager must be a bit like being a class traitor, right? You're yeah, like camp guard type yeah. situation where Absolutely. you're the overseer of maybe not the best <laughs> uh, metaphors to use, but um, yeah, they they just have to keep a close watch on all of their employees at all times and have a go at them if they're not meeting these ridiculous quotas that have been covered like extensively by us and everywhere about how generally horrible it is to work at Amazon anyway, let alone on Black Friday. And then they have to fire them. Um, but the system, the system is weird. The system is sort of so close to being fully automated, but they still insist on putting human cogs in in these mm. key areas. So the system basically defines when somebody has to be fired, like if they. 
if they take more than an hour away f- off task, they have all this. It's all computerized all their time. And if they're off task for, for an hour, then that's an instant firing. And if it's half an hour, then they get oh, they've got a progressive write up or something like that. And then two of those, and you're instantly fired. But they still make a human do that. They still make a human talk to them and say, "Well, oh, you know, you're not really doing putting your work." But it's like the computer decided it. They have to be the person that delivers the news, and it's really cruel on the managers. I, th- I think it's cruel on everyone. I think. I mean, I mean definitely. <laughs> you have you have to wonder like when this sort of invisible cost of all these deals or like cheap next day delivery is gonna. I, I, there's more awareness of it now, I think, but not enough to stop people from getting a good deal on Amazon on Black Friday. Yeah. I think they account for something like 40% of all Black Friday. I think I, I read more. I thought more, it was more like 60. 60, was, right. You know, Nine, so ridiculous. How, how much was something, I think Vox quoted like 9 billion. Yeah, that's expected this year to be 9 billion. I think I think that's just in America, but I'm not sure. It might be worldwide. Um, but Which huge, huge amounts of money. Um, and then you've got, Je- you got Jeff Bezos at the top. Um, this is this is the country. Uh, is he now the richest that, man in history? Yes, I believe so. This is the company that in 2013 was accused of using neo-Nazi guards in warehouses in Germany to beat an immigrant workforce back to work. So, you know, mm. that was 2013. <laughs> now it's, you know, I'm not saying that they employ neo-Nazis, but, you know, <laughs> it doesn't look good, does it? It's not good optics. Yeah. Um, um, and but as you said, people people hear about this. I mean, this is not, this is not a secret, Um but people know about it, and then they still buy the deals. And and the um, the I, I don't know they said whether it was a man or woman um, in the article also uh, admitted that they still buy deals, still buy from Amazon, <laughs> um, but feel profoundly guilty about it. Yeah. But just thought if I don't do it, that's not going to make any difference to Amazon, but it will make a difference to me because this is the only convenient way I have to send presents to loved ones or whatever. Um, boycotts do. Have have worked though. I don't know drug history, but um, you have to wonder like if it's a bit too late for that now when you've got this sort of mega retailer um, controlling so much of the online economy throughout the US and the world and just increasing as well. Like it's not Mm. it's not happy with its lot. Is just increasing its share of like retail sales. So I don't know. Is it is it even feasible to posit a boycott for something that like large or is it? something that only regulation could achieve, I don't know. Well, Amazon's everywhere as well. It's not as if they're just in retail, right? They're pushing into yes. almost every segment of every market, you know, game development to film production. To the police state. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, I mean, if we're, you know, if we want to go full dystopian yeah. as we're drinking our human-flavoured beverage, um, we're, uh, you know, if we're talking about giant super corporations starting to control everything, Amazon isn't too far away. Well, we've, yeah, we, we've, We've discussed this many times that they they are basically now more powerful than governments. And yes, I'm not even sure that regulation can stop them now because what what com- what company is what country is powerful enough to do that? Yeah, the most dystopian thing about them is the approved statements they give to the the press and that they call the warehouses things like fulfillment centers. Mm-hmm. I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, the language is horrible. They told Vox like for many of the managers and associates in fulfillment centers, the holiday season is a fun, exciting place to work. And this mm. is like a company that yeah, you know, there have been workers on record. Bernie Sanders like made one of the videos go super viral. A woman who'd been sleeping in her car yep. so she could. Go to her job at Amazon. People who get working for the richest man in the world. Yeah. Working for the richest man in the world. Yeah, yeah. and it, you know, it's he's rich because of these things. You know, yeah, it's not despite. It's because yeah. it's it's not a bug. It's a feature. Yeah, exactly. Um, I believe, and I haven't been watching the um, the latest series, not because I'm 
sexist, of course. Um, <laughs> totally I normal thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for this. Stuff. I believe this has been addressed obliquely in Doctor Who. Yeah, uh, not even so obliquely. It's quite, so the, the latest episode of the new Doctor Who is called Kablam, uh, and it is um, good name. It, it sees the Doctor and 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 companions visit the warehouse of the biggest online retailer in the galaxy. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Uh, after like receiving a package with a with a like note in the package saying help me and they have to go undercover as workers in the warehouse for this uh, mega retailer called Kablam. Uh, a lot of it is about automation of the workforce. Um, so it's a plot point that this company gets to call itself proudly people powered because ten percent of its workforce is uh, organic. Uh, <laughs> Just like this drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it, it is it's sort of a weird it, it's Doctor Who like the episode sets itself up like it's uh, gonna sort of tackle Amazon and these kind of big corporations head on and you know it really is about Amazon mm-hmm. uh, it's very obvious that Amazon is what it's got in its targets um, and it seems not accidental that the episode has come out a week before Black Friday sure um, I don't know how the BBC scheduling works but it's hard to imagine you know that this season has been structured so that you could drop the episodes in almost any order, and it feels like they probably made a choice at some point to think we'll drop this episode five days before Black Friday happens. Yeah. Um, and it has been quite a political series. The series has, yeah. They, they've uh, one of the early episodes uh, had them visit Rosa Parks um, during all the bus um, boycott stuff. Uh, an episode the other week was about the um, uh, separation of um, India and Pakistan. Um, and stuff like that. So it's been doing more more political does than this have, Doctor Who has been all the while. Does this have American viewers, uh, maybe Breitbart <clears throat> readers, shouting about cultural Marxism in our institutions and that sort of thing, <laughs> or showing basic human decency in oh, yeah. well, well, television and, programming? And plenty of British viewers shouting the same thing as well. It's been, yes. it's been one of those things. There's been a lot of complaints of people saying the show's too political this year, uh, it's too historical this year, and of course it's just it's always done, old, you know, going back in time episodes. It's just it used to be they go back to the Victorian era and show her, you know, cheeky chimney boy and everyone would be happy with it, whereas now they're actually, like, you know, going to major political points of, like, recent-ish history and some of which, you know, the, the one about India and Pakistan was directly tying into sort of one of the companions' family history as, uh, uh, I think she was from the Pakistan side, so as a sort of, a, you know, third-generation Pakistani immigrant to mm. the UK. So it was sort of addressing all that stuff. Um, what's the shame about this episode, the Amazon one, is it kind of sets itself up like it's going to really, you know, give it to them, and then it kind of pulls its punch to the end, and it's a bit, you know, spoil the ending a little bit. But it turns out actually the, you know, the, the setup all along is that the, the sort of AI system running this warehouse must be the baddie and must be sort of trying to eliminate the organic workforce and blah blah blah. And you're like, yeah, fucking corporations, boo hiss. Um, <laughs> but then what it actually turns out is the bad guy was the. Uh, a left-wing human activist no. who was trying to change no. the system but was using violent means to do so. Wow. And the AI system was actually the one who sent the help me message in the first place because it wanted to prevent the deaths because oh, our man. lovely corporate overlord has our best interests at heart. Really not enough cultural Marxism in our institution. <laughs> <laughs> never would have happened. So yeah. it like it does set up at the beginning, and it's very open about you know sort of it, it, the you know, running theme is you know we you know this sort of automation this doesn't seem good and taking human. But it, it's not really willing to commit to it at the end. And it also does a very bad job of... It keeps saying this warehouse job is really rough and everyone's overworked. And it's got all that same stuff about people having like work quotas and all this stuff. 
but then it, it doesn't really do a very good job of making it look unpleasant at all because everyone's just chatting around and you've got the comedian Lee Mack as one of the people and he's funny and cheeky and lovely and yeah, you know terrible. you just sort of feel like oh you it feels like a writer set out to do something that was really gonna be kind of harder hitting and at some point through the BBC editorial process it just got watered down yeah is this um, is this sort of has this been seen in Doctor Who before to this extent I've done, as a, someone who hasn't really watched a whole lot of it before is this something they touch on often like political issues they, is this the first season they've done a bit it's been more it's, it's always had a the, the, not always since the reboot in 2005 it's always had a bit of an eye on sort of social justice stuff like it when it was under Rusty Davis they made a big point of having lots of LGBT characters okay. at a time when that was big. not very common on TV at all uh, and try to have a racially diverse cast other than the fact that the doctor itself himself well now herself has always been white um but not as many of the episodes have been there's always been a bit of a sort of you know you know it tackles like you know authoritarianism and that kind of thing sure. just that general political in a blairite sense rather than uh, yeah a little bit of that it, it's it's very rarely been sort of you know outright socialist uh that kind of thing <laughs> Um, it does feel like this, this is making a point of doing a bit more of that mm. stuff. Um, but it's equally, in a way, harking back to the very origins of the show. The first season of the show was Doctor Who was envisaged as a split sci-fi and edutainment show. Mm. It made a point, like one of the sort of plans for the show was that it would always basically alternate between a fantastical science fiction episode and a go back in time to teach children about history episode. Mm. Um, and so it's kind of just doing a bit more of that, but you know, being a bit political about which bits of history it wants to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. I think um, that is a good point to move on. Can I just jump in real quick with some good news? Please. <laughs> <laughs> about Amazon and labour relations. Oh yeah, go on. Uh, they've been forced to the table for the first time by uh, an immigrant workforce in mm-hmm. Minneapolis. And Amazon is famous for not recognising trade unions and definitely not bargaining with workers. And so these logistics workers got together uh, due to, there was a New York Times article about it, um, cultural similarities. They, they, they talked and discussed their grievances and planned mass walk, walkouts and Amazon came to the table to discuss some compromises. And those weren't good enough and they walked out again. So, you know, there's some glimmers of potential hope amidst all the dystopian putting awful. people in cages in warehouses yeah. and such. Yeah, and, and on a similar, I mean, maybe not quite as awful, but all the stuff around that HQ2 in New York mm. has, it's bad that that does look like it's going ahead and it will do bad things for a lot of New York, but it has prompted genuine and like outrage and outrage across both sides of the aisle in terms of the US political system. Which is rare. Which mm. is really rare. Like people are, you know, the fact that actually there are, you know, uh, Republicans and Democrats agreeing on something and it's, oh shit, Amazon's fucking up. Something when you've got Republicans saying Amazon's a bit too evil for yeah, us, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, again, it looks like people are being a you know, that seems to have sparked a bit more awareness of the damage it can do as a company and how yeah. Amazon wading into a city promising jobs doesn't always isn't necessarily a good thing. This is this is promising. This is <clears throat> I like to end on an optimistic note. Um, so I think we should all take another swig oh. of our delicious human themed drink here's to you here's to you jeff bezos <laughs> cheers 
This is actually growing on me. It's got a weird oh, first taste. Something's growing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In which way? Growing in you or on you? The initial yeah. flavour I still don't like, but the mid-flavour, not the, quite the aftertaste, but the mid-flavour is quite pleasing. The mid-flavour. The mouthfeel. No, the mouthfeel's the well, worst. Well, the mouthfeel is not good. Um, <laughs> almost we, latexy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that <laughs> film, there's a film developing on my tongue almost. Mm. It's... Latex is not a good word to use about food. Um, we're going to take a short break now, and then so we're going to talk... <laughs> we're going to talk about something else. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Sean Bradley, um, you are a bit of a crypto man. Uh, um, that is the rumor. That's like a superhero mm. sort of concept I quite like. Um, but something bad is happening in the world of crypto. Can you uh, explain to the, uh, I was going to say the non-technical listeners, but actually the non-technical host as mm-hmm. well. Troubling crypto, John. If Crypto Man was a superhero, he'd be ill in bed with the flu right now because the crypto world is in turmoil, David, and there's only one man who can save it. And uh, is, is no that... one knows who that is. <laughs> right. it's, not, it's not Crypto Man. No, I or just say Elon Musk. Yeah, no. Um, so He's got a submarine just ready for this. <laughs> he does, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, Bitcoin is at its lowest point for about a year and a half. Um, we've currently seen a pretty big crash. So, um, its high point from 17th of December last year um, was $19,500 per Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, and we're down at $4,500 as of today, roughly. Okay. Um, so, for the past sort of, um, since June this year, it's been, so, so since 17th of December last year, Bitcoin's, it's had peaks and troughs, but it's slowly been going down. Um, in sort of a general cryptocurrency bull market, which is caused by a, a lot of things, um, which I'll go into in a second. But it was sort of holding steady for a while at about $6,500. And it was there for about sort of four or five months. So it would, go, it would sort of go up or down by sort of 5%, which is not a lot in crypto, weirdly. And it would sort of hover. But then very recently, it's just completely fallen through the floor. Um, there were a lot of people who believed that the bear market had sort of run its course, that it was going to stay at $6,500. I sort of read an article that suggested that $6,500 was essentially its operating cost. So without going into it too much, to mine a Bitcoin requires an amount of resources. So PC hardware, electricity, everything else. And the idea that was pitched in this article was that um, a Bitcoin will cost about $6,200 to mine. And it was a sitting at about $6,500 value. So it was basically just, just slightly higher. But then that hypothesis completely fell out the window when it just dropped down to 4500 So the issue and is... Bitcoin's become more expensive to make, to mine as we go along, right? Yes. Yeah, so the... the, so the product, the value needs to go up um, to make them... Yes, it does. Value. I mean, I mean, the, the thing is, is that, I mean, there's a huge um, issue with like most... You can use technical ana- analysis in the stock market. You're sort of, you know, using just maths to make predictions but the whole problem with the cryptocurrency market because it's unregulated means that it's incredibly emotional so trying to make predictions based on any real hard facts you know sometimes it will just jump up and down for reasons that no one really knows like the economy in general like the economy in general um although bitcoin or cryptocurrency in general it's like the economy on fast forward i mean the the, the rate that it moves up and down is honestly terrifying and there there are normally some kinds of tether points to the, to the real economy aren't there like co- companies performing companies selling things yes if you've got shares in it you know and i do agree that economics is just mad um and the share market market is absolutely mad 
but I think I get the impression that crypto is particularly mad. Yes, um, I mean, and, and you'll see if you go sort of go on, you know, crypto Reddit or forums, you'll see people sort of justifying reasons as to why. You know, I think that you know when the when the crash began last year, people were saying um, people were saying that the reason that it went up so much is because bankers got their bonuses and they put it all into crypto because bankers know it all. And then when it started to crash, they thought it was because of Chinese New Year because people were taking out of crypto in China. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, if you want to see an echo chamber, check out some cryptocurrency Reddit. Um, yeah, so but really, the, the processes also are really weird. Like, it's very hard to get get out your money. It's very hard to like. I'm really gonna <laughs> betray my ignorance here, but I was I was told that once you have Bitcoin, it's very hard to withdraw your money from that, and therefore it's sort of built into it that people find it hard to to get out, and so they stay in for longer, and then when the crash comes, it's worse. Um, there's a certain amount of truth to that. It's be- it's becoming slowly easier to, to get. Um, if, you, if you're owning Bitcoin or Ethereum, which are the two main cryptocurrencies, the two primary ones, it's fairly easy to to pull it out. The issue, particularly in the US, was that Oh boy. So every time you made a a transaction within cryptocurrency, you were taxed on the on its value changing, which means that if you're someone who has done a lot of trades in cryptocurrency and then you pull your money back out into fiat currency dollars, you will be hit with a huge tax bill, um, which a lot of people were really struggling to pay. And there's, you know, it's really, I mean, it's sort of like any sort of Wild West-ish type market where it's just a complete you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing to watch um, because it's just the level of sort of money that's floating around and it's completely unregulated, um, which is sort of part of the reason why it's crashed as well. So sort of last year, there were as the entire cryptocurrency market went up, there were a load of um, ICOs spawning, which is um, an initial coin investment um, where someone could say, I've got this great new cryptocurrency. It's got this fantastic team that went to Harvard. Here's our white paper about what it's about. You should invest with us because it's going to be the next big thing. But then because the market's unregulated, there was some very shady stuff where they would have sell off all these coins, let's say 80% of the coins to specific investors where the public couldn't get a hold of them yet. Drive a huge marketing campaign to see how good this coin was. Keep the supply low so there'd be a lo- the public would hear about this coin, wouldn't be able to get that much of it. Price would go up because they're all clamoring for it. Everyone who was given the initial bunch of coins would just sell them off at the price, and then it would just everything would completely fall apart. And this happened again and again for a long time. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's just—it's hard to imagine that this is allowed to proceed. Yes. How, how, why is it not more regulated? That is a good question. Um, I think it's because, I mean, it's hard for—I mean, it's sort of slowly moving towards a point where it's getting more more official. I mean, there are a lot of companies looking into it now. I mean, using blockchain technology, which is the thing that supports cryptocurrencies, um, sort of looking at using it more seriously for business. Um, it's just it's just a real minefield. And I think that as sort of like the technology has moved faster than a lot of the governments. So there's not a lot of people in government who perhaps understand it as well as they should. The, the FCA and the SEC are beginning to regulate yeah. it, though. They're looking into it. Um, so yeah, they're slowly getting there. Whether they'll be able to get their heads around it is another thing entirely, because I don't think people trading on it really have their heads around no um no there's a lot there's a lot of that um but yeah so we're currently in a very serious serious bear market where a lot of people have lost a lot of money um and there's you know no one is going to know 100 percent for sure but you know the idea that people who control most of the bit you know sort of in the same way that wealth is in the world you know sort of 80 percent of bitcoin is going to be controlled by sort of a small handful of people what's the phrase for that again whaling or something is that something else yeah so the whole idea that whales are controlling sort of the market so they're they're you know those with the most can sort of dictate the price the most because if you've got the most of something 
you know you can it's easier for you to dictate dictate its price um you know by you know not not buying or selling at certain points or you know if, if, if super rich people are holding a load of bitcoin perhaps they're not going to be forced to sell it if it turns down because if they lose you know that they can they can afford whereas if the average person on the street who's bought some bitcoin and sees its price going down might need that thousand dollars five hundred dollars or whatever it is um uh, I, I was talking to a journalist from the next web uh, on our trip recently and he thought that there's so much worse to come in terms of crypto. Like, he thinks that the bottom hasn't really fallen out of it yet. And when it does, it will be more catastrophic than it already has been. You know, there's anything to that? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think sort of, I mean, it's trying to gauge public opinion on it is 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 a pretty good way of sort of seeing, you know, again, particularly if you go into places where people are discussing constantly, people are still sitting there waiting for the next big bull run to happen. And that's almost an indicator that you know it isn't. Like, you know, really, it has to hit rock bottom before it's going to go back up again. If people are still sitting there waiting for it to all all be great again, they're still holding, still holding that hope, then it hasn't quite got to the very lowest point yet, which a lot of people believe it needs to in order for it to go up again. Um, but then it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy because of all this ICO stuff where people are essentially getting scammed out of a load of money. The only way it's going to really go back up again is by people putting more money into the market, but no one wants to do that because no one trusts it right now understandably yeah. why so i mean there's two things that are really going to be a catalyst for another bull run or is widespread institutional investment which is happening in certain areas but not necessarily with bitcoin although it's kind of weirdly sort of linked but there are sort of currencies being developed specifically for business uses i mean, I mean my, my perception of it and this might be entirely wrong but most bitcoin investors are like chances or libertarian freaks, or drug dealers. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> which, which, the people which, I know one which one is sure? Which one? I, you know, I dabble. I'm all three. Um, but it, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's essentially. I mean, it, if you're under the illusion that it's anything other than gambling, then you're wrong. Mm. <laughs> it's also environmentally irresponsible. And I, uh, yeah. I know I always say this every time we discuss it. But yes. It's, it's an institutionalized process of transforming natural resources into theoretical money. Yes. <laughs> and that makes me so angry. Yes. That you've got people out there who are buying these rigs that are just designed to burn electricity and then make these theoretical numbers in, in the internet that will then lose all their value. And what is the point? We have limited resources on this planet. We, yes. we need the electricity. As, Please stop doing this. I agree. So as, as devil's advocate to that, the, you know, what's so, you know, um, what people like so much about cryptocurrencies is it's not controlled by banks. And considering that, you know, the widespread, everyone believes that the banks were essentially responsible for the last economic turndown. Yeah. It's not going too much better for. No, that's that's very true. It's not, but the fact that if if it's cryptocurrency, you uh, uh, you know, let's put aside the fact that the value is going up and down like a the big rider Orton Towers. Um, it, it's you know, you have direct control of your money. If all your money is in cryptocurrency, you're not relying on a bank to keep that safe for you. A bank isn't charging you, you know, because you know, some, like when uh, I think in Greece a couple of years ago when they were having having trouble, people were showing up at the bank and saying, "I'd like to take my money out," and the bank was like, "No." Yeah, that was Northern Rock. Yeah, 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 and that won't. And for all its other faults, which are many, <laughs> for all its other faults, which are many, that won't happen with cryptocurrency because it's always yours and you can always take it back. You're kind of painting a picture of crypto people as like those slightly paranoid old people who keep all of their savings in cash under the mattress. There's a lot of that going on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> daily mail readers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but just finally, I mean, there's, I mean, 
in, in terms of this sort of like um, public opinion in at least in the crypto world, it's still fairly positive. People are talking about the dot com crash where you know it was in two thousand. So between two thousand and two thousand and two, I think Amazon lost ninety eight percent of its value after the dot com crash. And now look at Jeff; he's riding high on. Yeah. So there are well, you know yeah well Amazon was a funny one though because it it benefited from the dot com crash absolutely I'm not yeah because all of its rivals were killed and it was nearly killed yes and, which is also again also sort of what was happening with cryptocurrency because sort of Bitcoin yeah. is sort of half of the market cap of the of every cryptocurrency um, and then again people are likening it to likening it to tulip mania which happened in 1637 in, in yeah, the Netherlands we, yeah. we've talked about that on, on, on this podcast yeah. before actually and it turns out it was um, quite misreported. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. It wasn't actually as irrational as people thought, um, which is my fault because I didn't fully research that. Um, <laughs> I think we should uh, wrap it up here. Um, should we go around the table with a question? Bitcoin or um, Batcoin? Could have said Bitcoin. Just saying. Bitcoin, good. That's well, it. Why don't you say that before? Shitcoin. <laughs> shit, Bitcoin or shitcoin? That's even better. Yeah. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, Bitcoin or shitcon? Shitcon, shitcon, there you go. Uh, Dominic. <laughs> uh, shitcon, I guess. I, I can't imagine ever putting any money anywhere near crypto. It, uh, mate, I just don't understand it. It's weird. <laughs> I think that is a good principle. Don't put your money into things you don't understand. Sean? <laughs> uh, as a man who has put money into crypto and is currently feeling sorry for himself, um, I uh, I still think there's still hope for the cryptocurrency market, gents. And when uh, I can afford my yacht, you're all not welcome on it. Harsh. Uh, and Shitcon. Don't want to be on that yacht anyway. <laughs> you don't strike me as a yacht man. Um, and well, come on, finish your drinks. I cannot finish. Finish. I've had no, not finish. Have a little bit more. Cheers. No. I've maybe had a it. quarter of it. Mm. Not bad. Mm. Mm. I'll say this for it: it's better than Huel, which okay. is a really, really low bar. That I, I tried Huel <laughs> once. It was foul. It you was might. much thicker than Soylent. Huel really felt like sludge you had to really force mm, down. Slurry. I'd love if they, they quoted you on that on their marketing. Yeah. Better than Huel without <laughs> all the rest. You know? yeah. <laughs> Don personally loves it. And, and that brings us to the end of another uh, episode of the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Um, thank you for your thoughts, uh, gentlemen. Until next time, say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. 